Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I am your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Mark Dolphini. Thanks for being on the show, Mark. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks, Whitney. Yeah, Mark is a U.S. Marine, or was a U.S. Marine. Thank you for your service, by the way. Um, he, he, he's been in accounting, banking, uh, commercial lending, and management. He's a real estate investor, uh, and he oversees over $40 million in real estate. He coaches landlords and property managers. And th- thank you again, Mark. And uh, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about how you got into real estate? Well, sure. Well, first of all, just to correct the record, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still a Marine, but just no longer on payroll. Okay. I think the other Marines out there will depreciate me. Uh, yeah. That. So um, once a Marine. But um, the, uh, so really my, my um, what started me in real estate is actually uh, when I was in the Marine Corps, I had this, uh, this idea of entrepreneurship that I wanted to get into doing something on my own. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do specifically because when you're 23 years old, you think you know what the world is like until you get out into the world. But uh, I had bought my first piece of real estate when I was, I think it was 22. And it was 50 acres in the middle of nowhere in Arizona. But um, but it was so cheap, it just made sense to buy it. So it was like maybe $200 an acre or something like that. So I bought, I don't even remember, 50 acres or something like that. And uh, that was my real first go at, at real estate. So um, once I was getting out of the Marine Corps, though, I, I really wanted to get more intentional about not just buy and hold, you know, for a price appreciation, but something more related towards income generation. So I got out of the Marine Corps to, uh, to pursue my education at Purdue, which brought me to the Midwest. And from that point, I started, uh, I, I was pursuing a degree in accounting. And all the while, when I was in school, I started buying rental properties. I figured out how to, how to you know, uh, beg, borrow and steal to get, <laughs> to get into the and to get into the business, but um, it wasn't all so glamorous. But it was it was definitely um, it was definitely an education in terms of uh, of what type of um, uh, you know getting into getting into the real estate business. I should I should say the entrepreneurship game. So fast forward four years later, I had a degree in accounting. I wasn't quite twenty eight years old, and was sitting at about a dozen rental units, which was about a half million dollars worth of real estate. So uh, that's when that's when things started to get interesting. Awesome. So that that first property at age twenty two to fifty acres. Did you have a a plan, business plan, or what was your what was your thinking process at the time? What were you going to do with that? I had none. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just I, I I always just was fascinated by the idea of ownership of of having my own thing, my own piece of land to do whatever I wanted to do with, and. When I had that, I really didn't buy it for any other purpose other than the fact that it was just, you know, I had rights and title to, to owning this property for, uh, to, to build on or do with whatever I wanted. But uh, I really didn't have a plan. And that's really, um, it's, it's a great segue into where things started to go badly for me because I had this roughly dozen rental units and, and went on to purchase significantly more. In fact, at the peak of my ownership, I own 92 rental units. Most of them were single family houses, but some were multifamily. 
And I really had no clear vision or clear goal in terms of what I was trying to accomplish. So it, it, that's why I say things started to get interesting because uh, it, it, it got out of hand pretty quickly. So you had 92 units and then you notice things starts getting out of hand. Like what, what was happening then that really, I guess, made a red flag come up to say, hey, I, yeah, I got to do something here. Well, it, it was uh, it wasn't when I got to 92 rental units. In fact, it was a lot it was a lot uh, a lot smaller. Even at my dozen rental units that I had, I never recognized that all I had really done was create a job for myself. Mm. And one of the things where I when I'm coaching people, I talk to them about lines of complexity, and the lines of complexity. They, they creep in on you. You don't, rec- you don't really realize that you've got a problem of infrastructure or process. Like, you know, when, when it's not running like a business, you don't recognize that until it's far too late. But the, the symptoms are, are almost always very, very clear. And I'll say that here in a second. But, you know, at 12 rental units, I had all these lines of complexity that I was able, wasn't able to manage. Now you think, well, that's 12 lines of complexity, but it's actually not. It's actually far, far more than that. And I'll give you a quick example. So if, if I represent the owner of the property and you represent the resident, the line of complexity between us is one dot, right? So, or one line of complexity. So there's two dots, one line of complexity. If you add a, a third dot to that component, you have a line of complexity between me and each resident, and then one between the 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 the, the uh, properties that represents the business. So there's actually three lines of complexity. So just by adding one dot, I've added tw- two more lines of complexity. If I add a fourth dot, it goes to six lines of complexity. You know, all the way around and then across, and it just gets exponentially more complex after that. So, you know, you go to five dots, it's 10 lines, 10 lines of complexity and so forth and so on. So it, it, it continues to more than double as you continue to add these, these rental properties. And people who've gotten into this business will, will absolutely recognize this. It's not when, until you get to, like, it's not that three rental units is, you know, twice as hard as two. It's, you know, or, or you know, four is more, or is twice as hard as two. It's not. It's, it's exponentially more complex. Because once you start having problems, it seems like you can never get ahead of them. And that's the problem is you never learn to manage those lines of complexity. So my biggest problem was once I got to 20 rental units, I just started substituting my labor and my time for all the things that needed to be done. Even if they were low-end tasks like taking the deposits to the bank and uh, you know going and knocking on doors for collections and stuff like that. So I never, I never stopped to recognize where, um, you know, where the problems really were. And now where you can always recognize this, this is what I was going to say earlier, but where you can almost always recognize when there's problems is in communication. Mm-hmm. So when communication lines start to break down, like, Oh, I forgot to get back with this resident about their maintenance issue. I forgot to, um, I forgot to contact them about the missing rent. I forgot to, you know, all these different things. Or, or I forgot to return that email. I forgot to pay that vendor. When those lines of com- communication break down, that's when you know you've got a problem with either infrastructure or process. Hmm. Oh, so so help us help us walk through that a little bit. So you know, if we're we've started our syndication business when we are 
Uh, we're, you know, we see those things start to happen. We're missing those emails or or whatever, you know, whatever it is. You know, tenants are, we, we notice they're upset or vacancy rates are, are getting worse or, you know, what, give us some some ways to apply this. Sure. So when I wrote The Time Wealthy Investor, um, and I, I'm, if I can do a shameless plug here, I'm getting ready to really sure. re-release my, uh, my second version of that uh, on October 13th. But the... Uh, when I wrote The Time Wealthy Investor, I had to think back in terms of where I was when all of this started to go sideways for me. And I, I really thought, well, the, the biggest problem that I didn't have is a lack of vision. And the vision, I didn't really go into it with any set understanding of what it was I was trying to accomplish. You know, I had 92 rental units. Did I want 192? Did I want 1,000? I mean, what, did, what was the point? And even, even more important than some nebulous number of rental properties, but what was my life output goal? And I never recognized that early enough because realistically, nobody gets into real estate because they say, you know what? I've got way too much free time on my hands. Right. I want to, <laughs> I, I don't want to, I don't want to take vacations anymore. And you know what? I don't really want to be around my friends and loved ones. I've got far too much time on my hands. When you're younger, you know, you, we think we're going to live forever and, you know, it, it's not so big of a deal. But when you miss out, when you start missing out on real important life events, then it really starts to hit you in the gut that, you know, this is, you know, this is important. We need to work. What's the point of doing this if just to stay busy? So, so that's probably one of the biggest things is that there's lots of people out there, lots of entrepreneurs specifically that have a good work ethic. But just because you have a good work ethic does not mean that you should be the one doing all the work. So what I would say to those syndicators out there are, is specifically make sure you're placing a value on your time, specifically your free time. Because if, if there, there are things out there that you're doing that you can pay someone else 10 or $12 an hour to do, or even if it's a, even if it's a you know, let's say you're paying a virtual assistant $40 an hour, but it's a task that you don't like to do and you won't do because you don't enjoy it. And it's no, therefore it's not getting done. And you could pay a virtual assistant, you know, for 10 minutes of time. That's a no brainer. I mean, that's the sort of stuff that you need to be thinking about. So not looking at cost, but looking at the value that they bring. So specifically when I, um, to, to bring through the whole paradigm, the whole paradigm in terms of setting it up like a business is vision infrastructure process. And the reason that vision is so important is, as I indicated earlier, is, you know, that, that, that pot of gold that you're seeking at the end of the day, what is it that you're, you're doing this all for? And, uh, and why that's important to start first is because the next step is infrastructure. So when you're setting up an infrastructure in, it, let's say, you know, your, let's say your vision, for example, is to go spend two months on a mountain cat in a mountain cabin uh, away from people and, and, and everybody. Right. So if your vision is to spend two months doing that, if your infrastructure is set up to where you need to be returning emails and phone calls in a timely manner, that's not going to work out really well for you at all. If your vision is to, is to hide out in a mountain retreat, right? It's, it, it's not alignment. So having that vision very, very uh, clearly defined is important because infrastructure, you're going to be building an infrastructure that's in alignment with that vision. Okay. So finally, the next, the last step in that is process. So if you've got vision infrastructure, if you think of infrastructure as the train tracks of your business, the, you know, the infrastructure is going to be things like 
your office, your software, your desks and chairs, your phone system, you know, and, and a phone system that ideally doesn't look something like this, right? It's a phone system <laughs> that's scalable, you know, as I'm holding up a, a cell phone, um, for, uh, you know, th- that's, that's the thing that is important that is scalable and, uh, and also ideally doesn't cost a, a ton of money, but that's your infrastructure. So if you're thinking of infrastructure as the tracks of your business, you know, the train tracks process is the train that runs on those tracks. So process is your, the rules upon which you'll operate. It's, it's the, uh, it's the, the standard operating procedure, the SOP that you'll, that you'll put in place for, you know, when this happens, then you do this. And that's the sort of thing. So, you know, if you think of um, just to wrap this whole idea up for a second, if you're thinking about, you know, walking into a Starbucks, you know, you walk into a Starbucks and they've got the infrastructure already set up. They've got the, the, the queue, you know, where people walk in, they, they know where to go, right? The process is everybody knows what the process is when you order a Starbucks. Even if it's a Starbucks you've never been to, you walk in and because they've got the infrastructure set up properly, they've got pretty much the same setup. You walk by the case, right, to where all the, the, the drinks are and you order, you know, maybe you pick out a sandwich or something and then you order your drink and then you go to the other end to pick up your drink, right? That's, it's, it's infrastructure and process being in alignment because someone had a very clear vision. So, you know, for the syndicator who already has all the lines of complexity, just a mess, you know, there's too many things going on, hard to get caught up, kind of, you know, give us a place to start uh, to make this, you know, to, to get this infrastructure in place and processes in place. Sure. So the, the biggest thing that I, I would say, and I, and I know I see you pounding on this drum, but it is really, really important is having clarity in your vision. And, and why I say that is because you're going to be, if you put in pieces of infrastructure that are not in alignment with that vision, you're only going to have to end up coming back and changing it again in the future. Right. So, so get this right first. So this this is, it's a little hard to say, you know, in, in, in five minutes and certainly doing it by remote control with anybody that's out there. But if you're, if you're really trying to get clarity in your vision, it, this is more than your why, right? Like that's a real, uh, it's a, it's a real easy thing for coaches to say, like, what is your why? But it's way more than that. So it, you're, you know, we all have our why, you know, like I, my, my, my two boys are my why they get, I get out of bed for them in the morning. You know, that, that's of course why we do things. It's, because we're decent human beings and we're, we're responsible and, and we're doing the things that we said that we set out to do. Um, but it's more than that. This is a little bit more selfish. This is a little bit more about, you know, what you would want if you had an extra 20 hours a week per, per week in your calendar. And some people want to use that extra 20 hours a week for growth, right? Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. They want to grow their business. That's great. But some people, they want to use it towards more specific life output. And this is why I would say drill down into something that I refer to as anticipated joy. Anticipated joy specifically is that, that feeling that you get, and I'll, I'll use some examples here. Say that you're a single guy or single gal, and you're getting ready to go on a date with someone that you've really been looking forward to seeing. Right. So let's say you made plans on Monday. You're going to see them on Saturday. It's that feeling Friday night, that Saturday morning when you wake up, it's the butterflies in your stomach. It's the tingling in your hands. That's anticipated joy. 
or say for another example that you you uh, planned a uh, a vacation eight months ago and it's two weeks coming up the two weeks prior before the vacation when you're when you're like wow I cannot wait to be on the beach or I can't wait to be with my friends I can't wait to this that that tingling that rumbling that that nervousness in your stomach that that that's anticipated joy and that's what you're looking to replicate because. It, it's, it's the, I, I use this analogy often. It's the reason you would get out of bed at three in the morning on a rainy Sunday before your alarm even went off because you're that stoked about whatever it is. And that's anticipated joy. So once you identify what that is, here's what you got to do. Write it down, write it down first thing in the morning and then write it down first, last thing before you go to bed and do it every day and do it every day for as long as you want to be reminded. And I, I do it every single day. But I would coach anybody that's listening to make sure that you're identifying your anticipated joy first and foremost. So then when, as you're continuing writing these things down, a really cool thing happens is all of a sudden pieces of infrastructure are going to start to show up in your world. And you're going to say, wait a minute, is that something that I should be putting in place? Because that's going to be in alignment with my, with my vision. Now, I know some of this sounds way too, you know, <laughs> nebulous for some of the, the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, uh, the numbers people out there, but I, I have a degree in accounting and I'm telling you, this is, this works. This is an important thing for your listeners to put in place because that infrastructure, I can't tell what people, what pieces of infrastructure are going to be important for your listeners only because I don't know what their vision is. And a piece that I would recommend to one person is another piece that I wouldn't rec- recommend to another. But, um, but so that's a, that's a long answer to your short question, but but vision is absolutely important to make sure that you're, uh, you're putting pieces of infrastructure and process in alignment with all that vision. It makes complete sense to me. Um, tell me, you know, what are some processes that you see are, are very common, you know, that you, you know, you're coaching many people in this business. What are some, some processes that are just common across the board that we should all be thinking about? Maybe we haven't built a big business yet, but we need to go ahead and develop those processes. So uh, we have our vision and we're working on our infrastructure, you know, give us some processes that pretty much everybody needs that maybe we hadn't thought of. Sure. So I'll probably talk about infrastructure and then morph into process a little bit because infrastructure is a, um, you know, that's the software. Those are the things that you put in place. Um, Probably first and foremost is getting a virtual assistant and virtual assistant is kind of both infrastructure and process. Infrastructure is having uh, the the VA and and the system in terms of which, you know, if if you've got, um, you know, if say you have a, a bunch of research that you're wanting to do, or you're reaching out to other syndicators, or you're reaching out to, uh, you know, to, to do um, uh, research on some deals that are out there, you know, it, there's a lot of stuff out there that probably can be handed off to someone else that doesn't, that, that you could easily train and say, okay, hey, look, I want you to look in this market for me, right? Well, you're just doing basic data mining, right? There's lots of that out there that, that goes on. And you could easily hand that stuff off because it's not, it's, it's not high end, you know, cerebral work. You're not training anybody else to do anything real, real complex. But if, if you need to be having these conversations with people, a very easy process. And I use, um, uh, I always plug CC, my admin, they are a virtual assistant company that I really enjoy working with. Who is that again? CC my admin. You can reach them out at ccmyadmin.com. I don't get any royalties or anything on that. I just I love their company because the the the, the founders of the company 
are, they understand, they get my, what it is that I'm trying to accomplish because they're, they, they, and they align the right person with my personality and what it is I'm trying to do. So, you know, what, what they're doing is they're reaching out to people, you know, via email and on my behalf and, it, it, or in, as if I'm the one writing the email and they can set that aside and I can view the email and go, yeah, send it or no, let's tweak this a little bit, but I'm not the one doing all the little, you know, the, the typing out and stuff like that. Um, the data mining, the, the research that goes into, you know, whether I'm in my property management business or I'm in, I'm in my coaching business they're the one that, that are reaching out. They're the one that, uh, that are doing it, even though it may look like I'm the one doing it. They're the ones that are actually, that, that are actually accomplishing, accomplishing all this stuff for me. And it's, you know, I mean, you know, if, if I want to say, I want to value myself at, you know, $300 an hour, which I'm assuming we all do, you know, I have to make sure that I'm not doing the $14 an hour stuff. So that's why I say learn to value yourself as quickly as you possibly can. Now, in the beginning, you're going to have to do some of this stuff yourself, but that helps identify the infrastructure and process that you're going to need for when you're handing it off to someone else. Nice. I, I will ask you, we're about out of time, but I'd like to ask you, how, how did you find uh, the VA company and, and how did you uh, structure that going into them? Or, you know, how do you trust that person, that virtual assistant with, you know, your email and those types of things? Yeah. I mean, you can, you, I mean, my virtual assistant could probably wreck my life. Um, she's got all my credit card numbers and, and she, she books flights for me and reservations and so forth. So, but, but that takes time. Right. And so ironically enough, I'm in a BNI chapter, which maybe people are, it's a networking group, but, uh, but they actually found me and we, we kind of started talking and I was like, man, we need to start doing business together. And, uh, you know, but, but what I would say is, you know, just baby steps, you know, it, it, just because you give a task to a virtual assistant and it's not working out the way that you're hoping, maybe that's not the right virtual assistant for that task. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't take that task back for yourself. So that's a whole other conversation about how to right. get into the virtual assistants, but, you know, but definitely get, uh, you know, get started and start learning to either, you know, to, to delegate that out to someone else eliminate the task altogether or automate it to something that's, uh, that, that, uh, that your infrastructure can take care of automatically. And what, tell us what BNI is. BNI used to stand for Business Networking International, um, but it's, it's a, uh, it, now it's just known as BNI, but it's a networking group that is specific to an industry, uh, that, like what one person per industry is in that room. So if, if there are people out there that are really wanting to take their business to a whole other level, um, you're going to be around uh, a good, you know, good BNI groups are going to, are, they're all over the United States and uh, you, you can easily find one in your area, but it's, you can find them at, I think it's BNI.com, um, but it's BNI, Business Networking International. Nice. Mark, uh, you've been a great guest uh, telling us how to set up the processes and infrastructure and vision. Uh, t tell the listener how they can get in touch with you and learn more about your business. Well, thanks. Um, actually, I've got a, uh, a free download for it's my uh, my book that I just my last book that I just published uh, going into the summer. It's called The Judge. It's a it's a uh, it's a funny story. It's it's meant to be a quick read, but you can download it at uh, landlordcoach.com forward slash Whitney. Great, great. And then obviously landlordcoach.com is how they can learn more about you. And yes, yeah, great. Yeah, and or reach out to me on LinkedIn or uh, or on Facebook. I've got a Facebook page, Landlord Coach. 
Great. Well, I really appreciate uh, Mark being on the show and I appreciate each and every listener. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.